0: Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody.
1: Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me tonight, Miss Wendy Thomas back in the house. Great up back to back episodes with Wendy. Glad that she's here. We have a lot to get to, yes we do. LA Galaxy win. We already knew that if you listen to the Monday Night Show. Heck, you already knew that because you were probably at the game, a good crowd at Stub Center for the opening game of the 2018 season. 2-1 victory over the Portland Timbers, all good news there, but some bad news: Ramon Alessandrini comes out injured. We're gonna talk about his injury. And his effect on the New York City game coming up. Uh, of course, that big NYC game traveling from west to east all the way across the country. We're going to talk about that as well. And then there's lineup stuff, your questions, your calls, all sorts of fun stuff is on the way. So I hope everybody's ready. I hope everybody's uh, hanging in there, ready to rock and roll for another uh, another fun time with the LA Galaxy here. But before we get too far, let's stop and check in with my wonderful co-host, Miss Wendy Thomas. Wendy, how's it going?
2: It's going really well. How are you, Josh?
1: I am. I am hanging in there. It is a. Uh, it's always a long, long week. You know how that yeah. is.
2: Ugh! Do I ever?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? This is. It's. It's fun though. I always. So podcasting and doing all this stuff and getting set up, I mean, you know, it takes me a couple hours to get the studio ready every Thursday night to get all the lights up and do all this. And I'm usually tired on Thursdays. Thursdays are just – it's a long day. There's a lot of traffic. Usually everybody's trying to get stuff done before Friday. So it always leads up right to the very end where I'm just like, man – I don't want a podcast tonight. I would rather, like, you know, go watch some Netflix or, you know, go go get something to eat or chill or relax. Do that stuff. But as soon as I hear the music and everything starts going, I start getting excited again, and then it's all time to do it again. It's fun.
2: You put your game face on.
1: That's right. That's right. It's like pitchers, right? Pitchers rarely have their best stuff, Wendy. Uh, today, I'm going to I'm gonna pitch a great uh, with, you know, 95%. All right?
2: I want to see some Greg Maddox. I want to <laughs> see the big unit. I want to see... I want to see your best stuff. I want to see World Series stuff big, from you tonight.
1: Big unit for sure. Um, yeah, that was my nickname actually. No, it wasn't. Anyway, <sighs> already off to the side. Uh, let's talk real quick. I want to go to uh, to Sunday's game, Wendy. You were there. You enjoyed it. you sitting in the stands. Mm. Tell me, tell me your first. What's the first word that comes to your mind after Sunday?
2: Hot cocoa.
1: Hot co- oh, it was with chili?
2: Because there's a new vendor at the Stuff Hub Center that sells – well, they sell, like, sleeves of cookies. But more importantly, more significantly for the crowd, which because it was rather cool temperatures – is they also sell hot cocoa. And I've been saying for a long time that I would love it if I could get some hot cocoa at an LA Galaxy game. And this past weekend I did.
1: I, this is this is what I this is what I think should happen. Being that hot cocoa was the newest menu item of In and Out. I think In and Out should also be brought to Step Up Center. What thoughts? That
2: is a fantastic idea. I would love to eat myself a double double animal style with a hot cocoa while watching. Alessandrini kicked the ball around. See, that sounds like heaven to me. When I get to the pearly gates, I hope St. Peter is there and says, I have a double-double animal style, and here's Roman Alessandrini to meet you.
1: That, that isn't that is nice. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I start So so I started watching just a, a complete side note. Get Let's totally get sidetracked just for a second. I started watching on Netflix a, a, a crime drama that's called Marseille, and it's in French. Right, and the only reason I'm watching it is because Roman Alessandrini is from Marseille. That is it, <laughs> and I was I kept going, oh look, and the very first like opening scene of this whole of the whole show is the the quote unquote mayor of Marseille going to um, an Olympique Marseille game in the stadium. So I was like, this is clearly clearly my my show now. So uh, I will be mm. learning French, and then I'm probably gonna ask Roman if he watches Marseille as well, just because I think that everybody who's French should probably watch it.
2: But I had many takes from the game. Okay, what do you I got? Thought, I thought that the game was first of all, it was fun, and that was a breath of fresh air after last season because there were so many games last season that were definitely not fun. This game was it was all over the place in terms of performances. I saw players giving terrible performances. I saw players giving great performances. There was wild inconsistency, but be- between performances from given players. There was uh, spectacular chances created, misses, uh, wild gaffs, fantastic stops. I mean, there was just there was a lot to be said at that game, and I think both teams actually created a whole lot of entertainment value for the crowd last weekend. I mean, I I can't you know both Portland and the LA Galaxy. There was basically nonstop action. I mean, from the time that the whistle blew, I mean, it was it was a really, really entertaining game. So from that perspective, I thought it was great in terms of LA Galaxy's performance. Once again, all over the place, there was players who I thought were heroic, who stupendous, brilliant. I thought that Alison Drini is beautiful. I think Ashley Cole is magnificent. I thought Legette off the the bench sparked some incredible energy and creativity to the team. I thought Jonathan Dos Santos was an absolute engine in that midfield. I thought Emma Boateng at times was absolutely masterful in terms of just his bravery and speeding down the side flank. And at the same time, he also at times had some moments of wild inconsistency in terms of his first touch. So I thought Perry Kitchen was fantastic. I love him. Every every time I get to see that in the LA Galaxy uniform, I am liking him more and more and more. And at the same time, there was moments when I was shocked and uh, sort of appalled. I think our back line is really threadbare. There was moments where I swear I was sure we were not gonna be able to hang on. Right. And so there's moments of fear uh, where I was aghast, and I was just thinking to myself, we are just about to cough up a goal. I can feel it. But we managed to hang on for the win, and thank goodness we did. It's definitely how I wanted to start off the season.
1: And there's our show, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> we appreciate you turn- tuning in. No, you... Listen. We can
2: break it down. We can break it down. No, Why,
1: why even need to now? That was it. You, you, uh-huh. you, you hit on all the important points there. So that was, No, that was very good. Um, yeah, I mean, where do you even start with this team? And I again, here's here's one of the things I want to point out. There's a couple of
2: positives or negatives, because if you're starting with positives, I would start talk about the midfield and Cole and Alcindrini. If you're talking about negatives, I would talk about the back line. And Gio. So what do you want to talk?
1: About? Uh, what do I want to talk? I want to talk about <laughs> respect. That's what I want to talk about. Just just to start off with. All right. All right. Now, here's the deal. I put in a ton of effort to do all this stuff. Everybody knows that. Tons of hours do all this stuff. And sure. and I also, Wendy, very truly try to give my absolute honest opinions on things all the time. So I will tell you if I think a player is good, if they're bad, and, by the way, all of you who say that and you're like, oh, I say the same thing, it's not a big deal, um, you also don't have to talk to that player on a regular basis, and on, on occasion, they do get upset whenever I say things. So oh, yeah. So it's a different world that I live in a little bit with with regards to what I, what I say and and the responsibility of what I say behind it. Um, I did not expect the LA Galaxy to win that game.
2: Neither did I!
1: <laughs> that, is why, that is why it is. I wrote in my article in my recap saying the LA Galaxy do the unexpected, right? That's that's It, it yeah. was sort of like, hey, listen, this team won three times all of last year, all right? If you're yeah, going to win at home, um, I'm going to call it unexpected right now because... There were too many question marks on this team. And while I think this game helped us a little bit in learning about some of those question marks, it also still leaves me with like 17 million more answers on this. So my whole thing is that if you're going to disagree with me, that's fine. Just do it respectfully. Just just try to keep it, love. just be like, hey, I, th- I knew for sure they were going to win. Listen, I get as fans, you expect your team to win every single time. All right, that's great, and I think for Galaxy fans, especially, you should expect your team to win every single time. Um, with with the history of that club, five time MLS Cup champions, all those things, you should expect it. But my game previews are not going to be Galaxy win again, two hundred to nothing. Galaxy well, win.
2: Yeah, plus also burned twice shy. I mean, <laughs> we all the whole of last season was like like Lucy with the football. Right. I mean, we are going up to take a kick. <laughs> And Lucy pulls the football, and we fall on our collective butts. Yes. I mean, that was the whole of last season. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so, no one
2: should be. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. Nobody should be overly confident about the galaxy right now. All right. You should feel good that they got the win, uh, and you should understand that their next two games are very difficult, and they're going to miss one of their players. So one of their one of the team MVP from last year, by the way. Um, So it's it's not you know, it's not great news for the LA Galaxy. I guess the good news if you're taking any of these uh, these injury hits too seriously right now is that it's the beginning of the season and that there's time for all these things to heal and come back. So that's certainly something we're going to touch on and talk about. But I mean, excuse me, you look at what you got from, you know, uh, Kamara, who scores the scores the first goal. That's something the Galaxy needed so badly last year. Just a guy to push a ball through with his chest. I don't care how it got finished. The ball went over the line. It's the most beautiful finish anybody has ever seen if you're a Galaxy fan, because the ball went over the line. And the Galaxy were winning all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, Kamara was good, but you know, I mean, Emma Boateng was the engine behind creating a lot of, but I think both of the goals. He had a pretty significant hand in, in terms of, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times he made those sprint down the flank to try and put in a cross from all the way at the touchline. I mean, I think it was like six at times, seven times, eight times. It could have been like nine times. Like that happened over and over and over again. And I think that he was a driving force behind both goals. Right. He I'm was. Mis- putting aside the fact that I think he also m- missed two open sitters. I yeah. mean, I don't, I'm not saying that he's flawless or anything, but Kamara, what he did was sort of what you're supposed to do. I thought what Bo Tang did in sort of participating in both of the goals was more impressive.
1: Hey, listen, I, I think if you're looking, I said the first half. My first half MVP was was uh, Bo Tang. It wasn't even yeah. for me. It wasn't close. Um, but I, I mean, there's some other guys who you certainly have to throw in. That you have to look at Roman. Well, Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry. Hey, Jonah Kitchen. Dos
2: Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen, that might be the story that no one really will talk about. I think a lot of people are going to talk about how the LA Galaxy backline right now is kind of scary, yes. and how Gio Dos Devo- Santos, despite being the highest paid player in the team, for all intents and purposes, you could take him out of the lineup. I don't know if anyone would notice that he's gone. Um, the real story, maybe, is Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen, and the fact that those two are sort of quietly developing a little bit of chemistry in terms of how they play and they could be a dynamite tandem. I'm trying to think of the last time we had a tandem that I thought was truly magical. And I think you have to go back to 2014 with Juninho and Marcelo Sarvis, the the last tandem that I really think clicked together in terms of a central midfield pairing
1: yeah, it, it very well. I mean, listen, I, I don't disagree with that at all from what you saw in that first game. First of all, Jonathan dos Santos had one really bad pass in that game. and then I think he worked like for the rest of the game to make up for it. It was because rightly so. Uh, Portland probably should have been up 1-0 in that game uh, because of the bad pass and Bingham came up with a good save. That's You look at it and somebody tweeted to me, Wendy, and said, Giovanni Dos Santos is the worst player on the field right now. And I was like, and I of course I wanted to scoff at it at first and be like, okay, here we go, overreaction again. And then I, su- stu- then I sat there and I watched and I already knew he wasn't having a great game, but I'm like, the worst player on the team? Let me see the whole thing. And then I realized he just wasn't involved. He wasn't there. Um, outside of the first shot of the game, which came you know, inside the first minute, that was it for me. Um, and, and that's, again, somebody, somebody on Twitter said, said the real success of this LA Galaxy team is that Siggy Schmidt, with the salary cap, was able to put together a team that can compete without their highest paid, most talented player, quote unquote, talented player, having any effect on the game whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I was just having a conversation uh, with someone about this where I was essentially saying Gio is a bit of a mystery because, and I was thinking, has any, anyone ever asked him if he wants to be a professional athlete? Because this is a kid who was moved to Barcelona when he was a child, he was raised in Spain for all intents and purposes, has been moved around Europe to live in England and Spain and all these other places. And for for the sense that I get, I don't even know if any he has the driving Will to be a professional athlete. I don't know if he even enjoys playing the game. And I was just wondering is this an instance where someone was, because of whatever gifts he displayed at an extremely young age, was forced to essentially forego a childhood in order to develop this skill without ever even exploring the idea of whether he has a passion for this? I, yeah, I mean,
1: it is interesting. I would also say that perhaps, perhaps if you look at his, as at his, his trip around the world at different clubs that he's never been good. Um, And that it's just been, as you said, an early success from childhood and everybody has sort of lived off of that. I mean, we talk about, and, and it's funny that, that you can sort of compare these two a little bit Um, with Giovanni Dos Santos sort of living off the goal he scored for Mexico against uh, the United States in the Gold Cup, right? Everybody remembers that goal. it's great. And it was a great personal, like, uh, talent. That's the Gio, by the way. That's the talent that you would expect from Gio on a regular basis if you're getting paid $5.5 million. But there's another guy who also sort of succeeds off of one goal um, and that was sort of Jose Villarreal's uh, goal against Vancouver (laughs) whenever he first came on, which, by the way, was just a wonderful strike. It was perfect. But everybody always points to those goals as like the crowning achievement of these players I was like oh remember that goal that he put remember that goal he scored against Vancouver remember that goal he scored against the United States it's it's those things that yes they're spectacular moments but the frequency of those moments is so far and few and in between that it it creates this just black hole of nothingness most of the time for both of those players and you can wait for that to show up Wendy but there's no chance there's no there's no absolute your boats ever coming in on those guys
2: I think that the Dos brothers posit a very interesting philosophical question for all the philosophers in the audience, which is, is it better to have an innate natural gift, right? Uh-huh. Um, or to not have a gift, but then because you don't have a gift, be forced to work and develop the, uh, work ethic, self-discipline, you know, all the good skills, training, Um, motivation, all the things that you need in order to be successful. I think that Giovanni Dos Santos, I've seen do things that I thought were really talented, you know, that evidenced talent and showed skill, flair, but he does them so sporadically that you can almost tell that there is no governing work ethic that underlies it. And so, you know, whereas Jonathan Dos Santos, you could see he's just an engine, he works and he works and he works. And for my money, if you're saying, would you rather have a gift, but no no motivating force behind it, no competitive drive, no will to win, no work ethic, no discipline, or would you ha- rather have all the discipline in the world, all the work ethic in the world and none of the gift? I would rather take the work ethic. I would rather take someone who works hard every single time.
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting and, uh, and and certainly there's some there's. Some, I'm looking at the chat room, there's some people who agree with us. There's also some people who say that we're dumb as heck. I'll clean it up a little bit. Sure, uh, um, sure,
2: yeah.
1: Um, uh, Romaldinho, he says, uh, you're, you're all dumb as heck. As someone who has watched Gio sure. since he was 16, we've known he's been inconsistent. That guy has skill and does so much, he's never been a goal scorer y'all expect too much from him
2: what does he do then
1: i don't i'm not sure because he doesn't
2: create nobody i've seen that he doesn't create like that's clearly one of the reasons why we scored there's a paucity of goals last season is because we have this number 10 who truly does not create that much right yeah like he really doesn't he doesn't score goals he can, so what does he do
1: he came close a couple times in the in the last preseason game which again i thought was his best game um okay. to, to creating chances uh and he certainly missed he missed two sitters on the night um against portland that that were, were pretty obvious ones he he had a couple of good balls but he also got pulled in this game now siggy schmidt came on and said that it was because he had tired thank god he, thank he, had, god he, had,
2: he got pulled yeah
1: well siggy said it was because he had tired legs Um. So you can, which I want people to understand. If Siggy's going to put that out there publicly, then that is sort of the stance that we have to understand: is that Gio didn't get pulled because of his play. Gio got pulled because of tired legs. Now we can we can hypothesize that perhaps it is because of his play. Um. But at the same time, the the reason that Siggy Schmidt gave was because he had tired legs. Um. That was that was really it. Um. So that's sort of that again. I, I want people to understand where Siggy's mindset is about uh, Giovanni Del Santos. Now, I think there's two things. There's two really opposite possibilities that you could see from Gio right now. Well, actually it's probably three, which okay. is, which is none of the above. So um, number one is that he could be on cruise control right now because he's trying not to get hurt ahead of the world cup. He knows okay. that he just wa- he just wants to get to the world cup in Russia and do the thing. Right. So, okay, cool. Understand if that's the way it is. I don't like that way. Usually you end up getting hurt if you try to cruise through these things, but do your thing. If that's your thing, I can't tell professional athletes how to how to behave. Okay. The other thing is that... In my mind, if you're going into the World Cup, you want to be playing your best soccer. You want to be firing. You want to have the confidence. You want to have all these things go. So I would think that this would be the best time to see Giovanni Dos Santos perform for the L.A. Galaxy. Um, I would think that he would be highly motivated because there's no guarantee that Mexico takes him right now. Um, And there's probably a question mark about that if he continues sort of this poor run. So those are sort of the two opposite ends of the things. And then the third one is that he's just, n- he's just not going to perform in a Galaxy uniform, whether it's the personnel around him, uh, the formation, or just his overall talent level. See, that's the thing. I can't say talent level. He is absolutely, in my mind, the most talented player yeah, on has- the field
2: know about the most but he is definitely we've seen since he's he's been with us since the summer of 2015 and probably both last season and the season before there was maybe a month-long period where he played beautifully in several games in a row right and because of that because he's so streaky it makes me think that yeah, he just doesn't have self-discipline or a work ethic because he's clearly doing it when he feels like it, which means if he just feels like, yeah, I do really want to play hard right now. This is what I feel like doing right now. And so I'm going to I'm going to really try and play well for this game. That's what I feel like.
1: Well, and I so, I, I felt like in this game against Portland that uh, Gio picked up Jossie artist's first touch from last year.
2: Yeah, um, that was huge.
1: Which is which is tough, which is really tough, and it's again, it's a position the galaxy could probably fill with another player if they wanted to. Um, and yeah. and you know that it's certainly a position that if you got rid of the salary at five point five million dollars, that you could go out and get somebody very good on the market.
2: We could get a number nine. We could get. I mean, yeah, we could get someone really good for five million dollars. Really good for yeah. five million dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could save five hundred thousand dollars. You could get a discount. Um, but anyway, so, so, I mean, that's, that's certainly one of the parts. Uh, I agreed with you on Emma Boateng, the driver of everything in the first half, the finisher of nothing in the second half, but oh st- well, poor Emma I know it, it hurts. He, it hurts. It, you know why? Because whenever he comes off the field, Wendy, what does the crowd do? Standing ovation.
2: Standing ovation. Everyone loves him, right? Loves him, loves him. I would say based on cheers. Okay. The loudest cheers of the night were for Emma Boateng coming off the field and for Le- Sebastian Lejebio being called in.
1: Yeah, I think, I think those are pretty reasonable. All and right, L- let's, let's see if I can hit all the right buttons and do all the right stuff. 424, who's this?
3: Hey, fellas, this is Chris. Hey, H-A-Q Chris. From Reddit. What do you got? All right, so you guys are on the Geo topic right now, and you know that's my favorite topic. I'm sure. So I, have, I have to chime in on this. First of all, let me just say, Sunday's performance, I was very pleased with... Just about everyone on the team, including Chiani, surprisingly. Okay. So don't think the $620,000 price tag is justified, but if we can work on that salary. Okay. Gio, on the other hand, you talked about this earlier this week with Kevin Baxter about why does a guy who is just in his late twenties, early twenties, mid twenties, um, Why hasn't he ever been in a team longer than a season or two? Right. And you start looking at the list of the teams that he's been in. Six goals? That's about the average. Three, four, six-goal seasons. Even at his last team, Villarreal, he was there for three seasons. Twelve goals in three seasons. I just can't, even any geo-apologist at this point, how do you justify 5.5 million. I don't think anybody out there has a justification for that. So just my thought.
1: No, well, here's here's the thing, Chris. And and I always say this and people always hate it whenever I say this, but I don't really care. Uh, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Um, (laughs) Geo's 5.5 million dollars certainly isn't justified on the field. Is it justified off the field? I don't know the business metrics enough to be able to quantify that in terms of, is the $5.5 million he's getting every year enough of a draw off the field that it offsets any of that stuff? And and that is always a consideration in Los Angeles, and it should be. And anybody who ignores that ignores a major business metric. However, having said all that, uh, the performance hasn't been there. And I, I don't know that it's going to be there. Certainly whenever he was paired with Keane, uh, we didn't see a great Geo, but he also scored a lot of goals and had a lot of assists. And I, I maintain that a lot of those came in games that were already decided um, and in penalty kicks and, and different things like that. So so you look at that. Um, so he has the ability again, it's not an ability thing, it's just that he's never, he's he never seems to be switched on. Um, at least not for a very long time. Um, for a little bit last year, just before I think he went off to uh, the international break. Um, so there's there's all these things here and I think Gio can still have an unbelievable season this year. I think this is his year if he's going to prove it, Chris, but I don't know if, if it's going to happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet money
3: on it right now. Right. Okay. I've been Uh-oh. crossing my fingers now for over 12 years, but saying, <laughs> saying to myself the same thing, this is the year. This is the year Gio proves us wrong. Oh boy.
2: <laughs>
3: but anyway, and just real quickly before I let you go, thank you for the time. But, if we got rid of Gio and replaced them with anyone else that's half competent, I think we have a championship team. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome, thanks,
2: yeah.
1: thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. What do you think, Wendy?
2: Yeah. Okay. So take five million dollars that is earning. Just imagine we, you know, we want, we would love, say, for example, a number nine. Okay, Ola Kamara is really good, but maybe we could go out there and get ourselves a number nine. Right. Do you know whose contract is up in six months' time? Gignac, six months he could go on a free. Guess what? Who we could get for? He would be. We could get him for five million dollars, even less than five million dollars. What if we wanted to go get ourselves world class center back? Chiani is. Uh, uh I don't know. I'm <laughs> concerned about our back line, as I said, but we could get ourselves a dope center back. We could get ourselves. We could get ourselves like a center back and a number nine. We could get ourselves a lot
1: for yeah, five million dollars. Yeah, it, it might be interesting. All right, let's see. Uh, three, two, three. Who's this? Hello? Anybody there? Anybody there? Losing? Going once, going twice. I love I love doing calls. This is always always a good time. Uh three two three, anybody there? Okay, there we go. All right. Again, keep trying to call if you're getting in. Uh, apparently we sparked a uh, something going on here, Wendy, because the phone lines are are kicking off here pretty quick. So let me see if I can bring in somebody here. Uh three two three, who's this? Hello? Mom? Yeah. yeah, you are. Who is this? Uh yeah, this is Bobby. It's hey Bobby. Bobby. What do you got, Bobby? Are uh, we still on the Geo topic? We can always be on the Geo topic. Go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, I... Well, my my biggest concern when when we signed him again was uh, his streaky career. You know, he's been off and on right.
3: playing. Um, but, you know, at times I feel like, you know, um, starting from, like, not starting, but let's say, for example, from the last preseason game,
1: let's say if those, uh, for example, um, just off the top of my head, I remember that, uh, that Emma pass or, or the, the pass that Gio gave Emma and he could have scored, you know, if he would have scored that or if he would have, you know, if, he, if Gio would have scored one of these uh, two shots that he had right. in this last game, right. how much different would that, would that make people's, um, you know, like, like opinions of him if those little things would have, you know. What would, would, would have gone in? No, Not I true. no, I, I know what you're saying, Bobby. Here's here's my thing: is that I can appreciate a Giovanni dos Santos who doesn't score goals, uh, if he's involved in the attack, if he's creating chances. Wendy, for me. That makes, that makes a ton of sense, and I'm okay with that. Giovanni Dos Santos does not have to be scoring goals for me to be excited about him. If he is creating chances and creating goals for other people and getting assists, I'm okay with that. Again, I'm a big fan of the offense working collectively. I don't care how they do it as long as they put goals in the back of the net if I see people involved. But the problem is, for me, Gio's ghosting most of the time. He's not, he's not there. What do you think, Wendy?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not scoring goals, as, and he's not creating. I mean, so, for example, let's t- say if you take out Giovanni DeSatos and consider someone who's an equivalent like Landon Donovan. Okay, Landon Donovan, when Landon Donovan wasn't actually scoring goals, he created so much for his teammates. Same thing with Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane could create for himself, which made him something of a – anomaly in MLS. It's one of the reasons why he was so successful is because he, he could create for others and he could create for himself. He was a phenomenally creative player. Landon and Robbie when they were not scoring goals, they were creating for other people. Right. And so imagine how different the LA Galaxy would look if we had Robbie Keane from 2012, Landon Donovan from 2014, from 2013. If you had that Someone like that in place of Gio, it wouldn't matter if they were scoring goals. They would be There would be so many chances created just from the richness of everything that they brought to the table in terms of, you know, their incredible ability to just see the field and see, okay, well, there's a pocket of space here. Put the ball here. Someone's going to pick it up. I mean, that's what they really the, – the genius of Landon Donovan was just his vision for the game and how even if he didn't score goals, he could do Ten different other things. You could open up the field. All anything.
1: My counterpoint to that is that Landon Donovan disappeared a lot in games too and that was always one people of his now he did
2: occasionally he did. do that. not like geo not like geo. it's, it's no
1: it's not on the same par. but landon did take games off he did disappear and people after I, hey i've been doing this for, by the way this is entering my 10th season covering the la galaxy so oh I, my god i know i'm so old i used to be this young pup and everybody like there were guys who were older than me in the locker room it just doesn't happen anymore anyway but Landon Donovan used to take games off. I remember talking to people who were like, oh, Landon, where was Landon on that play? That type of thing. So he did do that. Now, granted, it's not the same to Geo, but I'm just saying there's some tendencies. And I don't care. In a 34-game season, if you take a game off as a superstar player that you are, that's fine. That's going to happen. You're not going to have your best stuff, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. All of these things are okay for me. Okay? But you have to show up. I need somebody. Here's the thing is if the LA Galaxy are in New York City coming up on Sunday, if they're down a goal, there's four or five minutes left, everybody's tired, everything the Galaxy have tried so far hasn't worked, all of these things are going, who's going to pick up the team on their shoulders right now and score a goal when nothing looks like it's happening? Right? It,
2: yeah, I, well, I mean, if Alessandrini was not injured, it would be Drini. Right.
1: Or Right. Or, or yeah. it could be Ola Kamara. I could see him physically just pushing the ball into the net. Right, he's one of those guys that's going to try to pick it up. You know who that's not going to be is Giovanni dos Santos.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what that's what I'm talking about is work ethic. You know, the will to push through when you don't want to push. I was saying to Christian how every player, every 25 year old player in MLS should absolutely be embarrassed anytime they say something like, "Oh, fatigue, injury." Because guess what, David Villa at the age of 36 or 37, and Ashley Cole at the age of 37 or 38, they have collectively missed. David Villa has missed something like less than 10 games in the past five years Mm -hmm. playing for the NYCFC. Ashley Cole, I checked, has played in the past two seasons of the LA Galaxy. He made 55 appearances. Okay, that's an average of 27, 28 games a season played by a man who is 35 years old and is a left back who does overlapping runs all game long. How is it that someone who is in their mid to late 30s runs The entire game, up and down, overlapping runs, up and down, the whole time. When there's 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds, Giovanni Dos Santos at the age of 26, 27, sitting there, oh, getting tired, getting fatigued, can't do it. I want to know what the difference is, and I think it's a professionalism that comes from having uh, work ethic, discipline, and years of training where you just push yourself even when you're fatigued. Even when you don't want to be the person who's pushing forward to try and get a goal, you are that person because it is ingrained as you as a professional athlete and someone who considers it their job to win for their team.
1: I will say this. New York City fans aren't happy, aren't happy right now with Dava Villa because they think that he is, has lost a step and that he's not trying. That, was, that okay. was from one game. For the past four seasons,
2: he has been the most important player for that team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I get it. Listen, I know what you're saying. I will also tell you this. There are some players on this team that run, and I'm going to say this, people may fall out of their chairs whenever it happens, who run too hard. Okay?
2: There well, are Emma Boateng pushes himself really hard. I mean, on the so, sprint.
1: So Ima now has missed. So the Galaxy played on Sunday. They were off Monday and Tuesday. Okay? So they had two days off. Um, and then they came in on Wednesday and Thursday. Imo Boateng is not trained with the club on Wednesday or Thursday. He's not injured. He's simply worn out from the first game. Okay, that is, and granted, you know that they do uh, physical testing on these guys, and a lot of times they can tell whether or not their body is fully recovered, um, and all these things. Ima is one of those guys. Roman Drini is oh, one of those guys. Oh, he pushes
2: himself so hard. I
1: would like to see, I love Ima. I love seeing Ima at 100%. I would like to see Ima at 95% sometimes, and not so much 100 Because everybody asks why Ima Boateng come, is the first substitute off the field so often. It's because he runs too hard a lot of times
2: now. But then who is going to push? If Alessandrini, I, I give you Alessandrini because I see him at the end of games sometimes. He is red, bright red. He is killing himself. And I put it, who is going to do it, right? I mean, if Gio's just chilling, then who is the, going to be the person who pushes through? You, yeah, now, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to
1: have somebody step up. It doesn't have to be the same person all the time, and that's what happened last year with the Galaxy, that there's not enough talent on the field in order for Romana or Ima not to be running, you know, 100% uh, balls to the wall all the time. So, I get it, but that's where it comes in. That's where the smartness comes in. That's where somebody like, you know, Davavia or Ashley Cole, they know how hard to push themselves in training and in running and and just in games in order to understand. Ashley Cole knows that he has to run for 90 minutes, right? He's a a defender. He has to run for 90 minutes. It's not the same as a midfielder. Please don't send me angry emails. I know the differences between... Man,
2: he runs. Ashley Cole runs. I don't know who is running. I mean, other than Emma, I don't know who's running more than Ashley Cole. I saw him everywhere. He He was everywhere.
1: He was great. Listen, I, hey, here's the here's the thing about, and certainly the big takeaway from this game is that Ramon Alessandrini gets injured uh, and will be out for New York City. So we're certainly going to talk about that, all right? So that's coming up. Put
2: some Herbalife on it, come
1: on! <laughs> a, little, a little Herbalife chocolate shake. Shake it up, rub it on there. Oh, that should be we have no fine. To,
2: we, You guys, we have to pray to the voodoo gods or something like that. We have to get some pagan rituals going. I don't know. We have to do something in order to make sure that hamstring... Heels, but you got to do something. But when
1: you look at these guys and, and how they run, they run smart. You know, uh, I, I think the, the Barcelona t- sort of anthem is run little, run smart, right? And it's about, you know, knowing the times to kick it in, knowing the times to do stuff. You had, t- you had two guys, Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen, figured that out on, on Saturday. They ran when they had to, they conserved a little energy when they could, and they took Diego Valeri out of the game. If you're not tipping your hat and understanding the significance of that against Portland Timbers, Diego Valeri, the MVP of the league last year, all right, was taken out of a game by Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen.
2: I'm i telling you, those two, Kitchen and DeSantis, those two are going to weave some magic for the LA Galaxy. If they stay healthy, this could be a great central midfield pairing.
1: So uh, the other big deal of this is that Chris Pontius apparently came out of this game with a knock as well. So Now
2: how did this happen? I didn't see this.
1: Nobody saw it. Nobody knows what it is. It's a quote-unquote knock. All right, so that's uh, that's where <laughs> I love I love injuries. It's my favorite thing to take a look at. Um, I anyway, it. I hate it. Let's go to um, we have a call. Somebody called in, and I want to get to that one before we uh, we move on. But um, it, it certainly is going to touch on our next topic, Wendy. And our next topic is now that we know Roman and Alessandrini is at least out for this New York City game, uh, and I I happen to believe that it's going to be for longer than that, and we can discuss it here in just a little bit. But what happens? <laughs> Excuse me, what happens with the formation now? So uh, Garrett from Washington. Legit! Legit! Yeah, I know everybody wants to say that. It might not be a great idea, and I'm going to tell you why, but let's let Garrett get his call in here uh, right now. So here's Garrett from Washington.
0: Hey, this is Garrett from Washington. Um, I was calling about the game on Sunday. Uh, I think after watching that, everybody, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people would probably agree that Sebastian looked a lot better in the center than Gio did when he was playing. Um, By the time Sebastian gets fit, I was wondering what you thought of having him in the middle and Gio out wide because realistically Gio's probably not going to get benched.
1: All right, so so there we go. Let's uh, we'll do that. And by the way, Garrett called back and and made two separate like recordings of this because he thought one was going to be shorter than the other one because the other one was probably too long. And he was absolutely right. The first one was at least a full second uh, 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 quicker than the second one. So there we go. All right. Just wanted to. I, I thought that a, was good. What a perfectionist. I, I, he was he was on top of things. All right, so. You know you don't have Roman Alessandrini. You know Sebastian Legette is going to eventually be a starter for this team. You're going to New York City, the smallest field on, uh, excuse me, the smallest, crappiest field uh, in Major League Soccer that's not turf. Um, You're going to get to play. It's going to be cold. Uh, It's going to be about 41 degrees, and we'll we'll go over that here a little bit, maybe even a little bit colder than that. So it's going to be cold, small field winter-like conditions, and you want to put Sebastian Lejet who Siggy Schmidt says is not 90 minutes fit, so you're not going to get 90 minutes out of him. Um, and, in fact, he just played 20 minutes in the last game. Uh, so you look at all these things. Is now the time to start Sebastian Legette, or are you going to do something else? Because is well, it about New York City, Wendy, or is it about the rest of the season?
2: Well, i I mean, politically speaking— you know, Ziggy has a lot more political capital than Alfo did, and that's why I think a lot of people were cheering when Gio is brought out, because it shows, if anything, it just shows that Ziggy has the authority to do something as potentially unpopular as, as taking out Giovanni dos Santos. Politically, I don't know what you can do other than start Gio in his preferred starting position, which I guess would be in this number 10 position. And, and practically speaking, you know, put Leggett on the wing – I, I think it would save a lot of political dogfights in terms of saving face for Gio, just to put Leggett on the wing. Because if you move Leggett in the center and put Gio out wide, people are gonna speculate that, oh, well, you're putting Gio out wide because you don't like him, and oh, you, you know, this is like a huge humiliation for him. And so I kind of think you have to put Gio in the center. But with, that's okay, because Leggett is a very capable wing player, you can put him on the wing, he will be effective. Uh, he, did, he will create from anywhere he is in the field. So it's not as good as having Alessandrini there. But, you know, I think the entire fan base has 100% faith in Sebastian lejet And if he's not 90, 90 minutes, you know, guess what? 70 minutes of lejet is a whole lot better than zero lejet
1: Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to get 70 minutes. I think that right now in his current state... Uh, sort of as the progression they've been moving him and they've been moving him along slow, knowing that they wanted to slowly reintroduce him to putting all of that stress and strain and weight on that repaired on that repaired foot um so that way he doesn't injure himself again. And so I would think right now you're looking at maximum sixty minutes. Maximum sixty minutes. Why if is you can it get taking that taking so
2: long for this toe to heal. It's
1: not a I toe, it's a foot and it's the and it's the bone that holds all of the other bones in the foot together it's the very very top of the foot so it is literally one of the most highly stressed places especially on a soccer player who's running around doing all these things in order to be plant and move and move and twist your toes and and mo- and, and sort of you know shift your balance and weight on all of this that there's a there's a plate that's at the top there Wendy that is that had cracked and that's basically why it took so long is because you have to leave it go, and there was, I think, three surgeries involved just to get it. So, this is all just, they're trying to be very careful with it, because they don't want to have any re-injuries. And for me, right now, if I'm, if I have the option, which we don't know if we do yet or not, Chris Pontius is a game-time decision. Okay, so, we'll find out. If you can start Chris Pontius, you start Chris Pontius. And the reason you do that is because you need to save Sebastian Lejet You need to save him for. i I'm not saying he doesn't get 30, 45, you know, maybe even 45 minutes, but yeah if to me if you're trying to push him to 60 where 45 is probably more realistic i don't know that i want to do that
2: have you talked to sebastian legit about this foot injury and just like what are the is he going to be a hundred percent fit like what is i don't understand i mean i i maybe i i, I don't know enough about the human anatomy really but like is this a situation where the rest of his career going to be impaired by this? Or is this something where the bone just needs to or it will be okay? I, I I don't know anything enough to know. what What is the long-term prognosis?
1: No, I mean, I think that, and, and he's going to tell you he feels really good right now. It's not, I don't think he's told us of any soreness that he's had in the foot. Um. So everything's going. It's just this recovery plan that they have him on is is slow and methodical for a reason. It's to slowly build him back up. They don't, he's too important to the long-term success of the galaxy to have any setbacks. And so they just want to be careful with it. Now you can push him, uh, to you know, go forty-five, fifty minutes, which is which you can do. I, I don't have a problem with that. But do you need to push him? Is this game that important at the beginning of the year? And so,
2: can play. I mean, I guess play Pontius. I mean, that that's the thing. If Pontius
1: can play, you play Pontius. But if he can't play, now we're into a whole another different situation. And I think the possibility of him not being able to play against New York City is high enough that you may have to come up with another solution there, Wendy. So. If you come up with another solution, do you start start Sebastian Legette, give him 45 minutes, or do you bring him off the bench and let her let him go?
2: So if you don't have Pontius and you don't start Legette,
1: mm-hmm. who are you mm-hmm. gonna
2: start? I mean
1: So you could possibly who? go. Could I throw cool. out, I'll throw out names for you? So you could maybe do Carrasco into something in the middle. And move maybe. But we
2: have two central midfield. Isn't he sort of a central mid? He is.
1: He is. But you could pair him with Kitchen, and maybe you let Jonathan Dos Santos kick out to the side. Here's why I don't like. You could do a diamond. You could maybe you could do a diamond. This is why I don't like moving Giovanni Dos Santos out there, as lots of people have suggested, and and I think um, you know Garrett did as well. Is that defensively you're going to get nothing. You know, it's not going to happen.
2: You're not going to get much offensively either. I mean, he's he's not going to be effective wherever he is. So you know, what does it matter? He's going to be he's going to be on the field. He's going to be
1: matter. on the field. Which so I always look at negative impact. Here's the problem: is that Rolf Felcher over there needs help and cover. And granted, I think Allison Drini
2: the back line. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, that's it's the weakest part. Everybody knew it was, and it's the right side of the back line, by the way. Uh, Sheevak and Cole. Of,
2: he's sort of. Um, it's I don't think see with Felcher. I don't think it's that he's not trying he seems to be trying i think he's sort of slow or yeah i don't think he's not so for example when i was watching Siani, there was a couple of times during the game when Siani honestly looks like he was like picking daisies or watching butterflies or something he literally was tuned out like he hadn't he was like it was like attention had been drawn off to watching the guy selling popcorn in the aisle. i don't think that's what felcher's issue was felcher seemed tuned in and he was there he's sort of yeah like slow like physically slow yeah
1: like, uh, he like he's
2: like he's old I don't know older I don't know
1: he's not I mean he's not he's, he's probably one of the most in shape guys on the team by the way just in terms of, uh, of muscular uh, uh, setup, there man has abs for days um, well, just
2: because you're jacked though doesn't mean that you yeah, move. Yeah, but but, you know, but it makes fluidly. me
1: but it makes me jealous. Um, well, no, yeah. he, he's just he he's not fast. We all re, we've already said that he takes good, okay, good angles, but speed kills him. If he was going up against somebody like Emmanuel Boateng, it would be over. But to be fair, there aren't too many people who can guard Boateng right now. So
2: yeah, I don't know. What do you think Felcher's problem is? Uh, I
1: don't think he has a problem. I think he's just is what it is. I, I think you're getting what you see from him. I don't think th- there may not be more than that. I hope that he shows another level. Um, and to be honest, the defense played really well against Portland, a very good attacking team. The goal that they scored, I argue, was a handball by Adi. Uh, oh, to control- the refs!
2: The refs—they <laughs> were terrible. <laughs>
1: um, so, so you look at that, and and I was looking. So it was a deflection, really. That sort of again, that was a deflection in the first pre in this last preseason game. There's a deflection in this one that leads to a goal. I'm kind of okay with both of those. It's like okay, no big deal. But for the most part, you look at the talent that Portland had with Fernando Adi. Siani uh, was excellent, marking him. Uh, Shelvic did a good job. They made sure that they, they, because Adi kept trying to switch over to Shelvic. They made sure that Siani followed him. It was really, really good game. And here's the thing: going up against New York City is Siani the best option at center back now, or is Daniel Stairs a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller, but a little bit quicker and not so, not so gigantic? Is he the better option at center back right now? Because is this a situational thing with Adi? It certainly is. Somebody like Siani. Um, because of the physical battle that was going to take place. But, you know, you got Davavia, who is not a giant uh, of—at least not giant uh, muscularly. Uh, So does Daniel Stairs mark up better than him, than than Michael Ciani?
2: I don't—I mean, I don't think that Stairs marking is better than Ciani. I mean, Stairs is—okay, the advantage to Stairs versus Ciani is that Stairs is younger, more athletic, more mobile— Uh, Probably has more energy, can go longer periods of time than Siani, but Siani probably is the smarter player who's probably has, uh, is better technically. So, you know, you're going, if you're going up against a 36 year old striker, David Villa, you you probably don't need to worry about having to run the whole ninety minutes. He's right. not gonna be chasing down center backs. Right. So you probably do want the smarter, more technical player, no?
1: I think that I think Stairs is quicker than Siani. Siani's yeah, a, he's a, faster. I a mean, big he's, mass. Yeah. Well, I'm just oh, talking yeah. about in terms of like switching directions.
2: Movements, yes. Yeah. I mean he's oh, Stairs is definitely more mobile than Siani. Yeah. So so
1: is that better? This is the sort of thing, you know, I don't want everybody to think that the Galaxy are set in their lineup. They're not. Um and certainly with the with Roman Alessandrini being out, that that definitely might not be set. So uh, let's get to some questions and we're gonna continue on as we get to the New York City game here. Um but I just wanted to sort of touch on a couple different topics and we can sort of do these rapid fire, Wendy, because like we're almost out of time. I know it's oh, fun, okay. but we've been Gosh. we've been rocking and rolling here and you know now I'm looking, I'm like, oh 13 minutes I'm like all right, cool. Um, which we can always go a little over. That's not a problem. But uh, still, here we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, my favorite LA Galaxy outsider. Um, he asks he with with Ema. So here, let me give you, like, an update report from Kevin Baxter, LA Times. Uh, Kevin says that Ima trained on the side but is expected to be available on Sunday. Again, we talked about that. That was just in terms of uh, being ready to play again after draining himself physically on Sunday. Uh, Pedro trained on the side, too, but was limping noticeably. All right, so we we sort of know that. I, I don't know that Pedro figures into anything right now in terms of what's going on with the Galaxy and their starting lineup, or maybe even the bench. So I, I don't know, that's that's big. And then he says, LeJet isn't ready for 90 minutes. That's something that uh, that Siggy had already said. Um, so that's sort of the thing. So with all that being said, uh, LA Galaxy Outsider on Twitter, he says, oh snap, Alvarez on the bench Sunday? So Efren Alvarez, 15-year-old, now homegrown player, um, who just got signed to the LA Galaxy, uh, he comes on, could he possibly be on the bench this weekend? Because there are so many missing things.
2: I don't know if there's that many missing things. Okay, Alessandrini is missing. But otherwise, who in our... I mean, there's not really that many missing pieces. I mean, I would say I, I don't think Alvarez is going to be on the bench. I'm sorry. No, no,
1: it's not time for him yet. Maybe later in this year. Absolutely. Maybe for some U.S. Open Cup and match. Absolutely. I think he's going to get some time. Just not going to happen yet. It's the same with Hilliard Arce. I see him as the... Now, po-
2: maybe he's the center back solution. We don't know.
1: I mean, He could be. I, Siggy's not going to start him this soon in the season. He's going to let him train for a little... Again, it's about putting the time in and understanding where these guys are. You're going to throw him into... This guy's not a professional player. He played at Stanford in college soccer. College soccer's way different than playing major league soccer. So, Siggy's going to bring him along. This isn't the days of Omar Gonzalez and A.J. De La Garza coming on and making a huge impact immediately. Now, I've already said this a million times. I'll say it again. Hilliard Arce... It very well could be the starter at center back by the end of the season. That I'm perfectly willing to to see. I think that's a possibility. So we could we could look at that. But you're right. I mean, you know, Hilliard Orsay might be the might be the best defender there.
2: Mm, we'll see. A very interesting prospect.
1: Uh, Sean. Sean says, "Do you see this game as an opportunity for Carrasco to get some minutes due to injuries in the midfield and who starts at center back?" So they're talking about it. I think that Siani's still going to start. I, I know I throw out a lot of questions. Yeah, These are-
2: he probably will. Because I just think David V is quite, he's he's in his mid-30s. You don't need someone. You don't need stairs. I mean, if you're going as a young striker, fast striker, like, um, I don't know, like someone like, I don't know, Josie Altador. I don't know, someone who's really big, young, and fast. Okay, so then maybe you would want Daniel Stairs. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to think of who is a good lineup for Stairs. Someone who would, I guess, demand a lot of, who would put put a lot of energy out, force a center back to run around a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of the the strikers in this field. I don't, you know, in terms of strikers out and out number nines, I don't know if there's many that line up well against Stairs. Well, I mean, Stairs, his,
1: I like him. I'm probably higher on him than a lot of people, and that's fine. I, I like living on little islands by myself. Um, I think that he could still, I think he does a real good job. Here's the advantage that I see. I see Siani and Starr almost equal in terms of defending. Um, I think that Siani gets the bonuses on set-piece defending because of his height, and on uh, on set-piece attacking because of his height and his ability to head the ball. So that's why you're probably, if you look at all those things and you put the plus, especially against New York City, there's not a really speedy person that you're necessarily going to have to deal with, not in, in, in Davavia. Um, you know, maybe some of the other guys coming from midfield that you have to worry about but Siani for me is probably still the starter there so alright let's continue on next question uh, I went on to reddit and actually got some reddit questions I know everybody on LA Galaxy reddit I've I, I left you out of questions for so long so I'm glad that we could uh, we can enjoy you but also um, I have to say screen names now because there aren't real names on any of this stuff either so uh, kick in J17. what is the leak weakest link defensively speaking on our team and then he gives you the combinations is it Boateng with Cole underneath, or Drini with Felcher underneath? Which is it? Is it the left side with Boateng? Is it the right side with Alessandrini?
2: with Felcher underneath is the weaker link. Absolutely. Because Drini, he does get back, he does get back, but he doesn't defend a ton. Alice, I think Ashley Cole has that, that left flank, man. He is on lockdown in defense. He is, I have zero discomfort with uh, Ashley Cole as my left back. I feel like... Even when he has a dopey center back to deal with, he's still he's still pretty he's still really good. Allison Trini doesn't defend a lot. And Felcher is really questionable, so...
1: That's that's why it's good to have somebody like Perry Kitchen who's able to come back and drop into oh, those holes. the
2: Destroyer. Yep. I love it.
1: So so absolutely, you're right. It is on the right-hand side. I
2: destroy your battleship, Perry
1: Kitchen. <laughs> and it's not just because Alessandrini and Felcher combination. It's Alessandrini, Felcher, and Siani on the right-hand side on that yeah. defensive triangle. I
2: mean, that's the thing, is that that right flank is the weaker flank, sort of, by far.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So, um, okay, next question. Uh, holy crap, it's Dan, writes on Reddit. He says, uh, just want to point out that when Geo stepped off the pitch, I could hear booing from the crowd as opposed to Ema getting a standing ovation. Seems like this experiment isn't working. I think he's talking about the Geo experiment.
2: Is this a Geo experiment? Have we been experimenting with Geo? We've been experimenting since the summer of 2015, <laughs> which is a long experiment, and we are going to continue to experiment until at least the end of 2019 season. People, woohoo! All right, woohoo! Uh- it's like the Manhattan Project. <laughs>
1: Woo! Um, let's see, uh, J R one two three four five six and A N D seven. Uh, says, uh, given the new rules regarding homegrown players, what is Efren Alvarez's current value on the international market? And other than benching Geo, what can Galaxy do this year to most increase Efren's international market value? And three, even if doesn't increase Efren's value, can we still bench Geo? This seems just like a way to bench Geo. And, and I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what Efren is on the international market. Um, he's been having some success at the youth national level, so certainly there's something like that. And I think he's a guy who is pretty much pegged to go to Mexico right now, if I'm not 100% mistaken. I meant to look it up beforehand. Um, so, so you can look at all that. I think that Efren Alvarez, at 15 years old, doesn't need to be worried, and the Galaxy don't need to be worried this year about his international market value.
2: No. Babe, wor- Efren, worry about getting your driver's license, okay? <laughs> you, first, you have to you're going to have to pass driver's training. Then you have to do driver. Then you're going to have to take the test and get your driver's license. I don't want you thinking about your international market value just yet. Just enjoy being a teenager for like another year or two.
1: It, it is. It is at the point though. I would like to see Efren Alvarez be a consistent starter on this team by age eighteen or nineteen.
2: Eighteen, yes. Eighteen, yes. Fifteen. You know, let's give the kid, let's give him a little breathing room, okay?
1: And if they can do that, if they can put him into that, if they can keep him for that long, which you might not be able to. Again, he, you know, uh, this this person, uh, Jer, one two three four five six seven, uh, he's he's right in that there is international interest in Efren Alvarez. So if you can keep him for that long, you're going to have to start throwing him some minutes. You have to start throwing him some minutes this year. You can
2: throw him some minutes, but I mean, he, I mean, he's he's a puppy, he's a baby. He has to get accustomed to playing with players of this size. They're going to be larger than him, faster than him. I mean, it's it's a big adjustment. I'm sure that he's doing it in training, right? So you get adjusted in training and then you slowly get incorporated into, um, you know, the smaller games, the cup games and open cup and stuff like that. And then eventually over time you get to play in the bigger
1: games. Very good. We thank everybody for their questions, both on Reddit. I'll try to do that on a regular basis, as post thread threads, so that way you guys can comment on that. And also, uh, everybody in the chat room as well. Matt, Matthew, by the way, says, uh, is Papa Dos Santos, is he a problem for the front office? Not yet. But I heard, and I relayed on Monday, that he was not happy whenever Gio was pulled out. Um, yeah,
2: but man, come on. Is any
1: parent really happy when their kid gets pulled out? That's probably at an international. That's like internationally a thing that you're not happy about. I mean, I don't know. I I think if my kid wasn't performing, I'd probably be like, yeah, you kind of deserve to be on the bench. But maybe I'm just, you know, a really bad father. That could be it.
2: Yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is an object lesson in why helicopter parenting is not the <laughs> approach to take here with your children. Because then you turn into Papa Dos Santos with his thing of like, how dare you take out my son? My son is the best. My son will never make any mistakes, man. You're not helping Gio, okay?
1: <laughs> You're not helping dad.
2: You're not helping your son become his best self when all you do is say he can do no wrong, okay? Uh, you got to push him out of the nest and show him that he needs to fail in order to succeed. All
1: right, let's let's uh, let's move on now. LA Galaxy news. Just real quickly, just a couple things. Uh, I just wanted to give you the LA Galaxy's uh, travel schedule. Uh, we're recording on Thursday, March 8th. On Friday, March 9th, uh, the LA Galaxy will depart for New York City. so they will leave on Friday for a Sunday game. Then, it will be training in New York City on Saturday, March 10th, and then a 2 p.m. kickoff Sunday, March 11th against New York City. We already knew that. Let's go over the standings, Wendy, because standings are super relevant after one game. Oh my god. The LA Galaxy currently sit third in the Western Conference after one game. They are tied with three points with the Houston Dynamo, San Jose Earthquakes, Vancouver Whitecaps, and LAFC. Isn't that nice? Uh, They also have tied a franchise record of three points per game on average which is a joke and people really needed to have like their joke pants on every everyone's while because some of this stuff is just funny alright just roll with it I have to do numbers and I'm going to track every game by game the numbers the wins the goals all that stuff so you have to start with game one and there's nothing you can learn from game one so just deal with it for, for a little bit they're jokes uh, the LA Galaxy do sit in third in the Western Conference though of course on goal differential Wendy
0: <clears throat> yes I know Mm-hmm.
1: Big news. Columbus mm-hmm. Crew, New York City FC, Philadelphia Union are the three teams tied atop Eastern Conference table right now. And, of course, they all won their first game. Um, so that's interesting there. Uh, New York City.
2: And for those of you who are watching the CONCACAF Champions League, three MLS teams won against Liga MX yep. teams in the past week. And one of them, actually, New York Red Bulls won away in Mexico. Yes. Is
1: interesting. This is all, this is all very – it's starting – there was a, I think there was an article in, in, in down in Mexico somewhere. I don't know exactly the newspaper, but they were saying what an embarrassment it is, um, you know, sort of to have that happen. So, hey, a little inroads there for MLS. That's good. Um, the fact that teams are succeeding whenever we know the schedule doesn't favor these MLS teams is a really big deal. Toronto, I still think, has the highest ceiling here and they can probably go the farthest, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's MLS. they're playing
2: against Tigres. They and are. I don't know if you're a Liga Mickey's team, but Tigres, Tigres is, is good. Very good.
1: I know. I know. It is interesting. All All right, let's go now to the schedule. Uh, The LA Galaxy, of course, will go to New York City on Sunday. Then they will come back, but there's some time off. This is why Roman Alessandrini, his his, his right hamstring strain, which we don't know what the grade is, but he's expected to be back for this Vancouver game. I don't think you bring him back for the Vancouver game because, Wendy, in Vancouver they play on what? Turf. Turf why would you want to bring Roman Alessandrini who has a strained right hamstring that may have already been a pre-existing condition because I think it was wrapped before the game so maybe it was a little sore or you know a little tweaked and then he goes in and he tweaks it further why would you want him to come back and play on the turf even though there's a bunch of time in between he'd have to be like more than 100% or he's on the bench for that game Wendy and you bring him in late in the game to give him like 20 minutes or something like that just sort of be like here remember you can, you can play a little bit that would be the most I would look at for Roman and Vancouver because after the Vancouver game on March 24th, it is LAFC at StubHub Center, March 31st, the very first, uh, I guess it's not the first because certainly there were many LA Derbies there uh, before with Chivas USA and being that I think lots of fans are the opinion that this is Chivas USA reincarnate, uh, this is just a continuation of that completely one-sided, quote-unquote, rivalry. Uh, but anyway, that place, I guarantee you right now, tickets are going. That that stadium's almost sold out. You better get your tickets if you want to go to the March 31st game, and that is the next home game for the LA Galaxy. So you're, if you if you want to go, that's it. March 31st better be circled on your calendar.
2: Yeah, I definitely would not risk Allison Drini, even if there's, like, a chance of that, the hamstring not being done because I definitely want him for the March 31st game against LAFC. And that stupid Vancouver turf. I remember that Robbie Keane got an injury on that turf two years ago. It's it's it
1: was, it's better now. It's better turf now. They they replaced uh, it, so it's not as isn't bad. Isn't there
2: such a giving as good turf, though, Josh?
1: It, I didn't say it was good turf. I said it was better turf.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: it's, come it, on. It's, no, it's not... Minnesota, which I think Minnesota or New England who have some really bad turf. Um, so you know those are sort of my I think my high water marks for bad turf. Um, Seattle certainly is up there. That turf is horrible. I remember watching LAFC uh, play Seattle over the weekend. I remembered how much I hated watching games on turf. So, um, yeah.
2: Seattle is the one, they get the the little black pebbles that bounce from the the turf.
1: Have you ever played on those and like you slide and you get them in your eyes or you get them in your butt crack? I know that's not sexy, but that's where they always end up, right? Never mind. I'll continue on. Sunday, April 8th after the March 31st game against LAFC. It's Sporting Kansas City at StubHub Center, so back-to-back home games for the LA Galaxy, which happens a lot back-to-back, but rarely are there three in a row, so don't get used to that. Uh, Saturday, April 14th is where they will face off against the Chicago Fire. Uh, let me quickly run down your injuries. As of Thursday, uh, as we're recording on March 8th, as I've said before, Bradford the fourth still undergoing concussion protocol. Uh, he is out with a concussion. He is out for the New York City game, and he has now been missing for 39 days from the LA Galaxy just in case you're keeping track like I am Um, so there's also Joel Pedro who we know has a left leg injury possibly a knee he was training with the team today but limping as I reported earlier he's been out for 12 days Ramon Alessandrini with the right hamstring strain, uh, out versus New York City Uh, and Chris Pontius with a knock of some sort is a game time decision both of those guys have been out four days so far as we go on all right Anything else you want to talk about before we do a quick preview of New York City FC and the LA Galaxy?
2: No, go ahead.
1: Okay, let's do it. Your LA Galaxy will face off against New York City FC on Sunday, March 11, 2018, 2 2 p.m. Pacific time at Yankee Stadium. This game, of course, is on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes. New York City is coming off of a 2-0 win over Sporting Kansas City that was in KC, a game in which they seemed to dominate the first half and then completely cede all the possession in the second half and in which they were outshot. The LA Galaxy obviously coming off a 2-1 win over the Portland Timbers. Both teams are 1-0-0. You, of course, have Dava Villa, who did not score in the first game of the season, but uh, who apparently, according to New York City fans, has lost the step and is now completely useless if you're to believe all their fun rantings beforehand. New York City FC will also be without Maxime Cheneau who picked up a red card for denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity in the 88th minute of their win over supporting Kansas City. The weather, 46 degrees is the high, 31 is the low, 0% chance of precipitation right now, which is good because you don't want it snowing, uh, and a little bit of wind. So, Wendy, when you look at this game, you look at all of the uh, all of the things going against the LA Galaxy, traveling all the way across the country, a West versus East matchup, the two big cities. This is kind of not a rivalry yet, uh, but I'll tell you right now, New York City leads in overall meetings. I think they have two wins to one. So I, where do you put the LA Galaxy? Missing uh, Roman Alessandrini, possibly missing uh, Chris Pondius. Where do you put it for it?
2: I mean, I'd like to get a result. I would... You know, I'd, I'd be happy probably with the tie because right. I think NYCFC is pretty good. And I think that they're coached well. I think they're probably are going to make the playoffs this season just based on what they were doing last season. So I would probably be happy with the tie.
1: Yeah. New York City FC is, I think, and I've been told this by a, by a couple reporters who cover the league. They said that they're a very, very very deep team or they should be Um, but I was on a podcast that covers New York City uh, earlier this week on Monday uh, talking about this game and they seem very unsure sort of of their defense um, how that's going to work and then apparently they still have some question marks in the midfield as well Uh, there's a lot of good players on this we talk about via uh, you have you have uh, excuse me you have I can't even think right now because I'm looking at it. And uh, you have Rodney Wallace who came over and joined New York City FC out there. On the left wing, or at least that's how he started, you have Maxi Morales who plays. Um, you know, Jesus Medina. This, These are good guys. Alexander Ring uh, in midfield. So they have a very talented attacking group, um, which I think is going to put a lot of pressure on the LA Galaxy defense and that midfield. And who is that midfield? Who starts? Where does everybody end up going? I think... And I know I've said it now, and we've talked about it enough. If Pontius is ready, he plays. Um, and he starts. And then you bring Sebastian Leggett in, in the second half, and you see what you need to do in that. And if the game's already out of hand by that time, then you don't need to push Sebastian for, for too many minutes. Just work on his, his ways. But the other thing is that I have a feeling, it's just a, a gut feeling right now, that Chris Pontius will not be ready to play Wendy. And if that's the mm. case, I think, I, I, and, I'm, and I'm serious, I think that... Um, I think that you, you start Sebastian Legit and you're going to put him in there for 45, 50 minutes and you're going to call it good. And it's just going to be an experiment out there.
2: Or Carrasco.
1: You could put Carrasco in, but then you have to move somebody. So who do you move? Do you let Jonathan stay? And you you do like a
2: different lineup, like a four, like do like a, like a four, two, three, one. I don't know. Yeah, you're the one who was just telling about the foot, the foot that can't you have to be very precious. It's the precious foot. Just, we don't want to hurt the foot.
1: I'm just saying that you're you're running out of options and that's still an option and you can still give them the minutes. It's just I don't like making substitutes at halftime. Like I don't like having knowing that I'm going to make a substitute at halftime if that's the case, or that I may have to go beforehand. Kevin, uh, Kevin and I were talking on the phone today after he had gone to training and give me, give me a call about that. And he was saying, listen, if you start Pontius, who is iffy right now, and he can't go, if he gets hurt or tweaks something a little bit further and you have to, sub- now you're forcing a sub in the first half, which means that you're going to have to bring legit in. And then you're going to have to sub him again, probably because you don't have enough minutes out of him. So you're going to use two subs at the same position. Um, the the mm. field here is ridiculously small, it's it's a joke of a soccer game most of the time. Whenever you watch this, there is no predicting what is going to happen in this game. Um, I think a draw would be an excellent result. Understanding where the Galaxy are, I could see them. It's MLS, Wendy, so I certainly could see the Galaxy sneaking in a win. I think the most likely result is probably a two or a three one loss. And I, you know, I don't have any problems. Saying that, uh, I just think that if you're going to remove Ramon Alessandrini, who is the guy who usually makes plays and really everybody seems to drive off of, um, and you're not going to have Chris Pontius in a position to be able to guard Legette from a bunch of minutes, then I'm not sure you roll the dice and risk Legette for long term. And so maybe you maybe you're you're seeing what kind of fun lineup you can put together with you know three defensive midfielders. I, I have no idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, be, I think the most likely outcome is a loss, but I would be happy with a tie. I want a tie. That would be good.
1: A tie, a tie is always good. Again, uh, this game will be broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes. There's a bunch of viewing parties going out there, and I have looked into, and i put the feelers out to start a Corner of the Galaxy viewing party Down in uh, Orange County as well. So uh, as soon as that comes up, and that's not going to be here for this New York City FC game, maybe for Vancouver, uh, I will let you know where it's at. And we'd love to have everybody come down and we certainly can talk uh, about the Galaxy or anything else. I I would imagine that it would kind of be fun and maybe we would have like a little halftime show or something like that where we could talk with everybody. And Wendy, you invited everybody over to your house, right? (laughs)
2: Yes, party at my place, everyone.
1: There you go, that works. All right, Uh, the LA Galaxy again face off against New York City FC coming up on Sunday, March 11th, the second game, game number two of the 34-game season for the LA Galaxy. I hope everybody enjoys it. All right, Uh, anything else, Wendy, you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, tell everybody where they can find you.
2: You can find me at Corner of the Galaxy in American Soccer now and on Twitter at Barts Blonde.
1: All right. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, please head on over to cornerthegalaxy.com. We have stickers for sale. It's the I Love Soccer stickers. They're great. Uh, on sale right now for $1.50. I'm, I'm a nice guy. All right? So we'll see how, see how that works. Um, but please go there. Help us support the show. I just reordered scarves as well. Expect those to take about four weeks before they're back in stock. All right? You're all wonderful, audience. We thank you very much for listening. We enjoy doing this. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. LA Galaxy versus New York City on Sunday. Enjoy that game. And, of course, we will talk very, very soon. For Miss Wendy Thomas, I'm Josh Gesman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We will see you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye everybody.